Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 33. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Don't forget after the episode, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription. Today I chat with Cara Hefty, and in this episode we talk about why she made the choice to give up a really successful career, sell her home, her cars, all her belongings, and then jump into an RV and travel the country solo, all because she started to feel her life was already headed towards burnout, and she was only in her 20s. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that I want to welcome Cara to the show. Cara, how are you? Hi, good morning. I'm fabulous. Awesome, awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm excited because I really think you might be uh, one of my first solo kind of travelers, or at least you got going solo. So I'm excited to talk about that. But what I like to do is ask people kind of the, the first question is, do you consider yourself full-time, part-time, or sometime in regards to kind of living the nomadic life? I am definitely full-time. I'm going on my 17th month. I started out solo. So the first um, 14 months were by myself. And then I found a partner on the road that full-times and now we travel together. Nice. Like a hitchhiker. And you just picked up and said, let's just keep doing this. Well, he kind of picked me up. Nice. (laughs) We both... (laughs) We both had our own rigs. I had a 24-foot Class C, and I towed a little Honda behind me with two Great Danes in tow. And that's how I I traveled around the United States. And um, we crossed paths um, in Sedona. And funny enough, you know, dating on the road is difficult. But then dating while you're full-time traveling in an RV is even more challenging. So, of course, it was through a dating app. We never got to meet in person. It took about 10 weeks, but we stayed connected. And so now my, my family has my RV, and we moved into his 40-footer. <laughs> nice. Well, let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's go back, though. So you said you were on the road about 17 months so far, 14 months solo. Um, I'm yes. going to do quick math. It's somewhere in December of 18, January 2019 kind of area. Yes. What did yes. your life look like before you hit the road? What made you hit the road? Let's get into that. So what are, where were you living? What were you doing for a living um, <laughs> back in 2018? Yeah, so it was an interesting transition. And if people would have known me a year or two ago, they would it would blow their mind what I'm doing now. So since the age of 18, um, I worked in distribution, warehouse fulfillment, and leadership. So I worked for two of the most customer-centric companies since I was 18. I started with Zappos.com, which is a shoe uh, monster, and uh, one of the best jobs of my life, especially that age. Their headquarters are in Las Vegas. Um, I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky. So when they moved the facility there, I said, I have to have this job. So I started out just like everyone else does at the bottom, uh, working 10 miles a day, picking shoes off the shelf. Um, And then by the end of 2018, 2018, I was a HR manager for Amazon. So Amazon purchased Zappos and I put in close to 10 years with Zappos and Amazon.com in Louisville, Kentucky. So I tell everyone that they basically raised me and turned me into the person that I am today. Um, They did a lot of positive things for me. And uh, I had a beautiful home. By that time, I had purchased two homes and I had the cars and I had the stuff and I had the status and I was the, what I liked, I created 
the definition of kind of an independent solo woman. And I thought that's what I wanted. And as something triggered in 2017 into 18, 2018, and I said, I can't do this because along with all of the stuff and the money and the bills and the debt came the stress and the anxiety and my identity got wrapped up in a career. So I didn't have a family. I didn't have passions. I didn't have creativity. I had a career and I was obsessed and I was obsessed with stress and anxiety. And if I wasn't at that type of um, extreme emotion, something was wrong and I would find something to stress over. I knew I knew there was needed to be a pivotal moment and things needed to change. I was 27, 28 years old and I had stuff to show for my life, but I had no passion or emotion or creativity. I didn't know who I was. And um, so I'm a big advocate of therapy and self-care. I just, I was not doing it. So I took the steps and I actually got a therapist, uh, a financial advisor. So I created this team and surrounded myself with these people to help change my life. And at the time in 2018, I did not know what, like, what my life was going to look like. I just knew I needed to get out. I needed to get out of climbing the ladder. I needed to get out of corporate America. Um, I was physically and mentally sick in and out of doctors. And the only thing we could come back to was just stress and anxiety and just living this unhealthy lifestyle. Even though on the outside, it looked like I had everything. <laughs> um, but I was completely empty inside. And one day, my therapist looked at me and said, describe your perfect day to me. And I just sat there and cried because I wasn't creative enough or free enough in my mind to even tell her what I wanted. So it took a lot of practice. And then when I finally told her what my perfect day was, it was one of the most simplest things. And she was the one that said it. She was like, I think you need to get rid of everything and you just need to go. So get with your financial advisor and your family. And what does that look like for you? And take off. And in January of 2019, I'd already sold my home, quit my job, <laughs> uh, sold all of my belongings or gave everything away, gave a car away, bought my 24 foot RV, packed my two dogs up and took off. And I've never looked back. <laughs> wow. I, it's yeah. incredible that you had kind of, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of compact it to be kind of burnout at such a young age. I mean, most people, you know, they, they waste another 20, even 30 years before they realize that they're burning out and to exactly. be able to, yeah, to see it so early. I will go back to Zappos real quick because when I first heard of Zappos, I thought it was the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> I, I was really like one of those guys that was like, why would, why, especially because at the time it was like really like women's shoes. Like why would women want to buy shoes online? I thought the whole point was going to the mall and trying them on. And uh, I did, go through one of the tours at uh, in Vegas that Zappos used to allow people to come through and walk through and see the culture and everything that was going on. And that was really cool. And then obviously Amazon, you're right, did, I mean, of course, you know, that picked them up. Mm -hmm. It sounded like they let them kind of still do their thing. It wasn't like they came in and tried to change it. But even at really cool culture kind of companies, and even with you having a lot of success, I mean, uh, you know, I think about my daughter who's 29 and trying to buy a house in California right now or 
you know, owning multiple cars or something like that is almost impossible. And you would just stress yourself out trying to do that. So to be able to do that, but then also still have the stress, I think is really important for people to hear because, you know, a lot of times people don't realize until they get rid of all that kind of weight. We don't realize it's weight when we have it all and we really free ourselves. It's a completely different life. What did your uh, family and friends think about when, you know, cause really, I mean, I bet as a, you know, 26, 27 year old, you're top of your game really for most 26, 27 year olds to have already been there 10 years and obviously have all this stuff. What did they think when you started talking about, you know what, I'm getting rid of everything and I'm hitting the road in an RV. <laughs> I had different reactions but the the main reaction was support and then sadness because my family's very close and to not be able to see me every day or every other day because that's how close we were frightened them I believe and I'll I'll be honest with you I was so afraid to tell them I was more afraid to tell my father um because I modeled my life after his so my goal in life was to be as successful in business as my father was and to one day surpass him but I had based my whole life off of that and then when I did actually did that I was like what is my goal what is my life now I had this one con- in my mind and all of this is is my personal experience because everyone's dream life is different. I have a lot of people reach out to me and say, wow, how did you do this? This is a dream life, but it may not be for everyone. I may have had someone's dream life when I was, you know, 26, 27, and that's okay. Um, And so my, my fear was to tell my father and I knew, I knew I was doing the right thing when I went to home crying and I said I'm afraid to tell you something as a grown adult (laughs) I'm afraid to tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to I'm using air quotes but I'm going to throw away this career that I built that people out there fighting for I'm going to throw away this home I'm going to throw away this salary and this 401k and I'm going to throw away this stock that hasn't vested yet and I'm going to go live in a van down by the river to figure out who I am (laughs) and I didn't say it quite like that but that's the gist of it and he his eyes welled up and the second time I've only seen my father cry and he said I'm so proud of you for getting out this early and he admitted he had seen the stress and the, um, the pressure that I had been under. And then I had changed from kind of the bright, youthful person that I was into the serious businesswoman. And it wasn't me. And for some people that is for them. And, and that is great. And I may go back to that. Um, but at that point in my life, that chapter was closing and I had to, I wanted to be in control of closing that chapter and turning it into a new one. So when I saw my father approve, I said, this is, this is it. This is the right move right here. And I had to figure out my identity is not this career. My identity is Kara and I have a brand and I can spread that brand on the road and connect and find that passion and creativity. So that's what just traveling has enabled me to do. (laughs) Yeah, I think about, you know, I'll be 50 next year and I've been on the road three years. And I think back to if I would have done this in my 20s and, you know, even if it was just for a year or two, what that experience would have changed in me over the next 30 years. And I think the biggest thing, which you're probably experiencing too, is just the amount of stuff and the amount of space that isn't needed that somehow you feel successful with a 3,000 square foot home and really all you need is 
I mean, I'm in 400 right now. Maybe the max you need is 800 square feet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you have a family kind of thing. And it's crazy that the American dream that we were kind of taught isn't really necessary in a way. And I don't mean to get like all like, you know, like hippie and weird about it, but it's really funny to me now that I've been on the road. I wasted so much time chasing these things to impress who that really mm-hmm. just stressed me out. And you really do get to find yourself when it's just you and you don't have all these belongings and, you know, it's just you and your dogs out on the road. It'll, it'll change you in a heartbeat. And it's, it's yes. something I wish, I mean, I'm really proud too. You know, I'm not your, your dad, but I'm really proud too that you discovered this at such a young age because I think it's really important for people to hear this. And I'll even do another chime in is that I see a lot of kids going from high school to college. And I think for some careers, that's really important. But if you could take a gap year or two and get some friends together and get in an RV and just travel the US for a year or two, it'll change everything for you. Yes. Even move, even if you do go to corporate America after the trip, just your idea of the things and the places you need, it's all going to change for you. And you're not going to allow the corporate job to be the only thing in your life, you'll have a much better balance in it, which is great. And, you know, that's why I was excited when I was reading some of your notes. I'm like, this is going to be awesome because people need to hear this. And then obviously, probably the biggest stumbling block I hear from people, and I I can go back to my own life, my parents, who are both very successful, so I never tried to compete with them uh, in any way, just because my mom produced The Tonight Show with Jay Leno for, you know, 20 years. They were like the cream of the crop of kind of success in Hollywood. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and they offered me this idea right out of high school. They said, you can backpack Europe for a year and we'll pay for it. But I was this basketball kid and, you know, I, I didn't really grow up with friends that would want to backpack through Europe. So I wasn't going to try to do that by myself. And I wanted to go play basketball. And so, you know, I just went to college, like, you know, but I, I, I regret it, you know, I'm almost 50 and I regret not doing that for the year. But the thing that stopped me was not having someone to be able to go with. And that obviously did not stop you. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if in 2020 you can say this, but even as a woman, it didn't stop you where a lot of people would say, Oh, this is really an unsafe way for a woman to travel. And those stereotypes that come into play, I always battle it with unsafe. Where are you coming from? Are you moving from Los Angeles or Chicago or New York? Because living in an RV solo as a female can be a lot safer than living even with a partner in some of those cities. You know, that's, what's funny to me is the spectrum of what people think. How did you overcome that? How did you say, you know what, I'm going to get on the road by myself? That's a good question. I think it wasn't an option for me. I was at the point mentally where I had hit bottom. So it was not, fear was not an option. Fear had kept me in this cookie cutter lifestyle of the um, quote unquote American dream. And it wasn't my dream though. And I thought fear has kept me where I am. And I had to shed that. And I mean, I, I won't lie, as a single woman out traveling, the, that's the number one question that I get from women, men, younger, or older is, aren't you afraid? And I feel so safe, whether I'm boondocking in a state park, I'm mooch docking. Um, it helps that I've had the two Great Danes with me through the journey. So if anything gets close to the trailer, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we don't have any issues um, there, but this is the safest I've ever felt. And then I think you kind of brought up something about, you know, where have you lived in the past? And I will say that I've had a very pri- privileged life. Um, and I was raised where people supported me and were just raised as you 
from a young age, you will try out for everything. You will do public speaking. You will do this by yourself. Um, so it was never an option. It was, um, if you want to survive in this world, we are your support team, but you get up and you do it and you make eye contact and you speak clearly and you shake people's hands. So the fear was the, the fear is always there, but it's not an option to let it win. <laughs> so when I got on that road, the first day driving a big rig, I'm pulling a car with the two dogs, with all of my belongings, everything I owned, you know, and you know how it is. Everyone that full time, everything you own is with you. So you cannot afford mistakes, but that kind of gives me an adrenaline rush and a high that I enjoy. So now I joke, I constantly need an adrenaline rush. Like where am I going next? What activity am I doing next? What kind of thrill seeking thing can I do? Whether it's by myself or now with my partner that keeps that, that addiction of adrenaline going. <laughs> so it, I looked at it more of a positive and instead of a fear thing. <laughs> Did you have any background of like RV living, camping, anything of that nature? Or is it even as a kid or is it just straight you know, like for me, my, really my first RV is the one I live in that I ever stepped in really. And so I don't know for you, was there a background in this at all? No, there wasn't a background in tent camping or RVing. I was the first individual in my family <laughs> to come up with this idea, which is funny enough because now my father started a new career path and he moved from Kentucky to Tennessee and he's living in my uh, class C in Tennessee right now. So I, oh, nice. I got us started. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, these are the things that I think people battle with is that, oh, I've never, you know, been RVing before, so I wouldn't know how to do it. And it seems like it's too hard to learn. And it's just funny because you, you don't say that when you move out of your house and move into an apartment on your own. You know, I mean, you kind of right. do, but you, you know, it's the same obstacles. It's just, you can make it as easy and as difficult as you want to in a way. It is a learning curve. You are going to learn on the road. You're going to learn by doing. Um, and it's interesting that people really do put these stumbling blocks. I, I saw one today when a friend of mine was posting that kind of learned about the RV life through me. And then now he's full-timing was someone said, you know, oh, when my kids are 18, then I'll do this. You know, we just published an issue about full-time RV families. And I'm like, you don't have to necessarily wait till the kids are grown to get out in an RV either. You know, even with your story where people are like, well, I'll do it once I have, you know, a partner to do it with. You don't have to wait. And what's amazing to me, I think a lot of people probably, right. I, you know, and I mean this for men or women, this is both, but people in their 20s are, especially the late 20s, are looking for, I'll say soulmate or someone they can spend life with. And you would think getting in an RV with two dogs and hitting the road would make that impossible to find someone. And then here you're able to do that too. You know what I mean? Like you, like you, you stack the deck in the idea of here's a way not to end up in a relationship is get in an RV with two dogs and start traveling the country. And right. I see that a lot too. I mean, obviously now that I'm in kind of the social media and, and connecting with people, I do see people that find each other. It's a question that's asked all the time. I always make the joke, someone needs to come up with like RV Ender instead of Tinder. It's just RV Ender and this is how RVers can meet each other. But people do obviously meet each other and have connections. What I want to talk about real quick is what's been the biggest differences from solo travel to now uh, traveling with your boyfriend? What's been some of the differences that you've seen in this short period of time that it's, is it better, worse? And, you know, he probably won't listen. So go ahead and, you know, <laughs> speak freely. Well, there's a tractor's getting ready to drive past me. So I'm gonna oh, okay, pause we'll hold. for a second. 
Yeah. This is this is the beauty. Like all my friends that have podcasts that are not full time RVers, they are always like, "How do you do it?" Because it takes such a controlled environment to have a podcast. And I know we were talking before the show started. (laughs) You had birds in the background, which I'm like. But no matter what, usually when I hit record is when the guy next to me has to blow his leaves and he has to get his leaf blower out that he brought with him. For some reason, RVers love bringing leaf blowers with them. They have their toys. Now I have a gentleman trying to saw a tree down. across. Can you hear it? No, I'm not picking that up. Okay, Okay, good. So um, the difference between traveling solo and traveling with a partner (laughs) is going to be different for everyone. In my case, I am already such a independent, I'll use the term selfish because I don't see that term as a negative. Um, It's more of life is short, take advantage of life and do what you would like to do as long as you're not hurting or offending anybody else. So in that mindset, I like to do what I want to do when I want when to do it how I like to do it <laughs> um, and the individual that I'm with is wonderful and he is the exact same way so the key has been communication um, and thank goodness we both come from a small living lifestyle it would have been totally different if I would have come straight out of my 1800 square foot home into his RV you'd say 40 foot of living oh my gosh but I came from 24 foot space of living into 40 feet so to me now this is an upgrade um so I'm just thrilled but we're both very headstrong independent people and we travel in different ways so I'll say the the biggest thing for us is how we travel when I was traveling I was moving um minimum every two days because I needed to see as much as I could within my uh, a time frame because money doesn't grow on trees and I had just left my corporate career so I knew I had about 16 months of uh, finances so I had to move quick in order to see what I wanted so I'm coming off of the high of going from one national park to one state to one natural beauty after the next my partner travels slower so he's a thousand trails member Um, And he can stay in destinations up to three weeks and then we move to a different part. Um, So we communicate a lot about that and his feelings of boondocking because I'm more seasoned in boondocking and he is not. Since he has a larger rig, he can't fit in certain spaces that I could have in mind. So it's a lot of compromising and saying, okay, this week we're going to boondock by this national park. And then for the next three weeks, we'll go into a thousand trails park and save and save that money for three weeks save our resources fill up on our water empty our tanks and then we'll go back and boondock for another week so it's just a lot of communication and understanding that we're both in a transition in our lives of me on this high of being surrounded by beautiful things in nature and being in the middle of nowhere and then him and and these beautiful RV parks and resorts and and around more people. But I will say that I have, I've absolutely loved it. (laughs) So we jumped in the RV together and immediately started renovating it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think if you can live on the road small with a new partner and renovate at the same time with dogs in your home, then pretty much downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. If, and if you guys are good at backing up the rig, then you're fine. Like that's the the test of all relationships yeah. and you throw all that in the mix. Did, did he have any dogs 
or no? No, funny enough, he's not a dog person. So I said, well, you are now. You're a dog (laughs) owner. (laughs) And of course, he loves them. And um, it's been great. I think what people have to remember with this lifestyle is it's still life and things still happen and it can still be frustrating. I have a lot of people that um, do not full-time RV or never have, or they see that I switched my, flip my life upside down and I try to share all of the experiences, the positive and the not so positive, because it's still reality out here. You know, we got to an RV park last week and my partner still works full-time and I'm in the process of trying to find virtual work and the park had no internet or cell connection. So that puts a lot of stress on you, just like in if you owned a sticks and brick home and something broke in your home, it's, it's still real life out here and you still have to work through it and just remember to be kind to each other and patient and go, okay, what's our next plan? Well, thank goodness we can move our home. Let's go 40 miles east and see what happens. Yeah, it is one of the biggest kind of battles and at the end of the show, I'll do what's called a high-low and I always kind of remove flat tires and internet connection from being a low because I think we all have kind of dealt with that. But it, so that's got to be different mm-hmm. for you because you technically weren't um, being chained to the internet because you weren't working. You're relying off of right. savings for the trip. So, and even though I will admit that there are times where boondocking has better internet reception than a lot of the resorts I stay at, which is always been like, how is this possible? Why am I getting better yes. upload and download here out in the middle of nowhere in the boonies than I was at a resort? So that's interesting. That's a big change for you then to now have to be. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. And and then obviously for for you wanting to boondock, now you really do have to make sure that it's got the internet connection I bet it's changing for him too. Cause I, you know, I, we didn't do a lot of boondocking in the beginning and we start, we are thousand trails members as well. And we went from thousand trails to boondocking. The boondocking has really like helped me because sometimes, you know, the thousand trails are really crowded just to get out back into nature. And it feels like, okay, this is what this life was supposed to be about. It's a nice mix. I wonder what, you know, if you could speak for him, how's that been for him going away from RV parks for a week and being out boondocking? I I think that he really enjoys it and it's really opened his eyes to the natural beauty and wonders because he comes from the lot. He is more of, I would say, a convenience RVer. He he likes things to work when they should work. So this road should be smooth. This internet should work. The weather should be nice. Where I'm more adventurous, I'm like, yeah, throw a thunderstorm at us. And like, ooh, are we going to make it down this road A kind of person? So he loves once we get to the boondocking spot where it is flat it's flat we have service and it has beautiful views um so i make sure to do research a lot before i lead him down a certain road that we may or may not be able to turn around on or try to make it more into an adventure so if i can try to say okay let's unhook the jeep and let's go ride up these hills to see if the rv can make it back here all right cool that's fun (laughs) let's do that so we'll talk about it uh, and he really enjoys it once we get out there and um, it's wonderful. He's in the process of learning about solar and trying to hook us up for solar because we currently um, are just running off our batteries. So I think he really enjoys it as as long as it's it's free. Because as you know, with the thousand trails, you pay that yearly 
fee and then you can go to all of these wonderful parks and locations but i'm wanting to get closer to yosemite or closer to yellowstone and thousand trails isn't as available out there so then i have to really do my part to find something that's free to make it kind of worth it <laughs> no without us. Doubt. But, yeah and it's definitely the that's the struggle too is the you know for a lot of us it's keeping our budget within a certain line and when you have a thousand trails then you're trying to not at least we're not we're trying not to purchase other campground sites in the time that we're off of a thousand trails which makes for a fun adventure too i don't know if you find the fun in that where it's like wow we're able to stay for a week and a half for free um you know besides maybe running the generator or going to a dump somewhere but i i like that aspect of it too is just trying to keep the budget as low as possible yeah, I agree. And of course, I'm doing well, but with me not working for this amount of time, I think a lot of people would, wouldn't have that, would not be able to do that. And thank goodness I have, I've been able to and kind of stretch it and work uh, when we stay stationary in some places, I can get temporary work on the road. So I have to be a little bit more patient knowing that, hey, the budget's lopsided right now with his, he has more money outgoing than I do. So as soon as I'm able to get that virtual career and positions going, then we'll be able to, if I can't find a boondocking spot, okay, let's try this state park now. Let's try this city park. It's this much a night. So when it comes to traveling together in this lifestyle, it's just a lot of communicating and just being kind and understanding and going, okay, we'll stay here for three weeks in this um, Thousands Trail Park, usually with a lot of children running around <laughs> and activities. <laughs> and then we'll do our one week in the boondocking area. Let's uh, back up a little to just uh, the kind of advice, because I don't want to leave away from this, because I think it's so unique that, you know, you've got the 20s aspect. You've got someone that's, you know, really working their way up the ladder solo. Like, what is just advice for someone that is in that kind of, you know, their late 20s, early 30s, they've already put in a bunch of years into corporate. They, they, can tell something's not right, but maybe this idea hits them. They're listening to the podcast or reading the magazine. They're like, this would be a great life. And they start throwing all these fears in place of why this will be bad. And they probably have family and friends that are telling them they're nuts and that they shouldn't do this. They'll never be able to come back to the career, blah, blah, blah. What's advice that you have for them? What were some of the things you had to do to really push through all of that, all those fears of giving up the career and giving up the house and all of that? Well, the, I think the first thing, because I believe that a lot of people are going through this right now, they're calling it a quarter life crisis is the term <laughs> instead of people are kind of opening up and, uh, and waking up before their midlife crisis. And I think it's really important to have a team surround you and that's your accountability team. And you have to find people that will support you and be honest with you. And sometimes those are paid professionals, like a therapist, like a life coach, like a financial advisor, because you want to be smart when you're, we're making these decisions. You know, I had to keep my head down and keep on the grind for a couple of years before I could afford to just sell everything and spend thousands of dollars on gas driving this rig across North America. Um, so you have to have a team of people. And sometimes as much as we love our family and friends that are established, they may not be on your accountability team when you're ready to change your life upside down because you're all so connected. So you're probably surround yourself with people that are like-minded and go, and then they do question you because it's like, whoa, we've all lived this life together for our for 20 years and you're just going to throw it all away and do something else. So there's nothing wrong with that. But if you feel like something's not right, 
you don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to be so mentally strong or so stubborn or so independent. It's not weak to ask for help and say something is wrong, whether it's just downsizing from, from a large home into a small apartment or getting a roommate or doing a new hobby or stopping a habit like every weekend going out and drinking. Um, instead, you want to do yoga. Whatever the case may be, you don't have to completely switch your lifestyle and sell your home and live on a sailboat for a year. Um, that's what I tell people. That is like you, it doesn't have to be that drastic. But have a team of people that hold you accountable because I can remember going into these paid professional offices and just crying and going, never mind, I don't want to do any of the any of this. Let's stop the break. And I'm scared and something bad's gonna happen. It's all gonna fall apart. It's not I'll never get out of this lifestyle. And they would just be very kind and they would listen and understand and go, you're fine. Like this is just doubt inside of your mind. Let's talk through it. And then they would talk me off that ledge because I can remember the months up to the day I went to pull out of my driveway and I sold my home and I quit that job and thought, what have I done? I made the biggest mistake of my life. Like I'm going to come back here in three months and people are going to say, I told you so. <laughs> and then so I had to call my therapist that day and talk, put her on speakerphone while I drove out of my driveway for her to be like, you were doing the right thing. And if you're not doing the right thing, it's just life. You can come back to all of this. You can purchase another home. You can get another job. It's okay. And then you have to have a team of people and you, you just can't do this alone. You can travel alone. But when it comes time to making all those decisions, have people that support you. And if those people aren't your family and friends, still love them and like them and understand that they don't get it, that's okay. But you have to do it right for you. Life is short. <laughs> Life is very short and you have to live it for yourself. I also think too, a lot of people don't know the, the crab analogy that if you put a crab in a bucket, the crab will be able to get its way out and leave. But if you put another crab in the bucket they keep pulling each other back in. And mm -hmm. it was this really cool, like just scientific experiment that I saw. And that's why a lot of the, the big crab boats don't have like a, a seal once they put the crabs down because they just keep pulling them back in. No one's going to be able to leave. And we have that a lot of times with our friends and family. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it's full-time RVing, if it's having a kid, starting a business, you know, buying a house, selling a house, it doesn't matter. And I remember seeing a story about a guy that was making, you know, high, high six figures like on Wall Street. And he quit everything to go work at Trader Joe's and moved to a one bedroom apartment and got himself a bike, didn't even want a car anymore. Mm -hmm. And his life completely changed for him. Like that's just, he didn't want to take a job home anymore. He just wanted to work his shift, go home, be with friends and family, do art and live an incredible life. Now, granted, he had a little bit of savings to help with the cushion. I think a lot of people would look at that and think he's nuts. Like he's crazy. And I know you've used a term and I do too. <laughs> upside down but is it really that we've turned our lives right side up you know what i mean like if we really made the shift that makes it what's best for us and i know it'll be crazy for other people the therapy part i really love that you're talking about that especially again you know being in, in your late 20s talking about that is really powerful because i think a lot of people stay away from it they're like they think that therapy comes in midlife you know that's like when you have the midlife crisis that's when you bring therapy into play and having a financial planner and to be able to talk to these people that understand it and they're not coming at you from a what they want best for them 
in your life. They just want right. what's best for your life in your life. You know, they're, regardless if you move or not, they're not going to be offended. And uh, I think it's really powerful. And I'm glad you're talking about it. What has been, what has been like, a, have you had any regrets at all, really? I think there were doubts but they were not big enough for me to turn around and come home or to stop my journey. My One of my main doubts, I, I can remember two instances, instances in particular, were just loneliness. So I had had my youngest sister, who at the time was 20, uh, spend 30 days on the road with me. So I got used to that lifestyle of having a partner and being able to share the beautiful views and the sunrises and sunsets with someone and ooing and aahing with the partner. And then when she left out of the Orlando airport, I cried for three days and I thought, what am I doing? But once again, that was another challenge for me to overcome and say, hey, you've already been on the road by yourself for a couple of months. Then you got to experience life with your one of your best friends on the road with you and you know and she's gone but you were alone before so you can do this again and I had to work through it for three days uh, in the middle of a of Florida <laughs> in a forest actually I was boondocking and uh, I got myself through it by exercising and writing on the blog and just expressing how I felt and then I decided I just need to pick up and move so I packed up the RV for my boondocking spot and went to the closest state park around people and was able to work through that and after I did it I was like wow that was really tough but I'm still happy I'm still surviving I'm still living because loneliness exists on the road especially after you come off of a high of being with the best friend like your sister for 30 days and then all of a sudden they're gone and it's just you again but then I felt so accomplished after work, after I'd worked through that, I was like, wow, you've done this by yourself. You did it for 30 days with your sister. Now you're by yourself again and you worked through the, the sadness. Okay, good job. What's the next challenge? But not once have I looked back and said, dang, I wish I had that home again, or I wish I had those clothes again, or I wish I had that career. I will say it has been a struggle to find another job especially virtually. But if I could make this much for my life happen to this point, I can get that job. So it's just another challenge. And I'm just having to work a little bit harder and be super creative. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, the, the things they talk about in the beginning is, you know, how do you make money on the road? How do I get my mail? How do I get insurance? And how do I get internet? And a lot of these things you can just figure out on the road. The, the how to make money one is, is probably a tough one to figure out on the road, but it probably at least allows you to figure out the kind of lifestyle you want to live to then match it up to the job a little better. You're kind of reverse engineering it where you're like, okay, here's the kind of lifestyle I want to live. So this is the type of job I need. Uh, when I first hit the road, I was working for someone else, basically a remote job that was sales. And so there wasn't really a need, I thought, to be some Monday through Friday nine to five. But because they had that corporate mentality where you have to be, you know, two minutes notice, I had to work, you know, basically sit at my desk Monday through Friday nine to five. I immediately, when I stopped working for them and, you know, started working for myself, it's funny that now that I have these little one, two hour breaks throughout the day, where I'll, you know, maybe go to the pool or go kayaking or go for a hike or go for an adventure, it makes you a better employee. And even though I'm, you know, self-employed, I would have been a better employee for them if they weren't so strapped into this nine to five scenario for someone that's trying to create sales. So I will be interesting to, to kind of see and, and hear what happens in regards to you finding 
remote work. What kind of work are you looking for? Maybe who knows? Maybe someone's listening right now and is like, right? So, like, what kind of work are you looking for? (laughs) Well, that's why I say yes. Um, And as I speak to other individuals that I meet on the road, I say yes to every opportunity. I don't care if it's a free opportunity, uh, a low paying opportunity to meet friends professionally, say yes, because you never know what could happen. So for instance, while I was in Kentucky, due to COVID-19, me and my partner stopped traveling because we were wasting gas driving to places that we couldn't see. And because of the pandemic, it wasn't smart. So we came to Kentucky where I am from and we stayed stationed for two months and I started putting fillers out. You have to stay humble during this transition also and go, hey, at one point, yes, I may have been this person at this status and it's okay to take just a job. It doesn't have to be a career. So I got lucky, put my fillers out, said yes to every opportunity. And I actually got a secretary position for four weeks in Kentucky and made cash. It was so much fun. I was super productive. I loved it. I knew I was only there for four weeks. It took some pressure off of me because now I had, you know, this extra cash to say, all right, tonight, babe, dinner's on me. Like, don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, Or we want to go do this fun kayaking thing. Don't worry about it. I got it. So I think you have to say yes to everything. So currently what I'm looking for is my background is in leadership and human resources. I'm looking for a smaller company that really has that brand and that personality that thinks self-care and just that positivity is a is a good thing. I have an interview with a startup company coming up and also one for a virtual assistant position. So anything where I can be creative, help other individuals, help develop their leaders. I'm really big on empathy and leading by example and being a servant leader. So training others to do those same things. So I guess there's not a specific job title, which is something I have to get better at. And I'm using my accountability group of saying, these are all the things that I'm good at. Hmm. Now, what type of position should I look for? Because I feel like we always need guidance in in life. (laughs) I mean, I haven't, some people go, wow, you figured it all out. And I'm like, not quite. I can't really tell people like exactly the position I want to do, but I think you can manifest that. I've been able to I hate to use that kind of hippy dippy term, but if you just, you know, you, you think about it and you live it and you breathe it and you communicate enough and surround yourself with those types of people, it will happen if you're passionate about it and keep working towards it. So of course I have my own blog and social media and keep that up and running just to educate other people, specifically women of all ages. Like you can follow your dream, whatever it is, let's talk about it. You can do it. So just staying open-minded and saying yes and letting people know that I'm out here. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's all the right attitude. And, you know, if someone's listening for some reason and thinking, you know, car would make a great fit, I I just really actually really feel that full-time RVers make better employees. I really do. I mean, it's not just, and it's, I think about it all the time, especially people that have cubicle jobs where it's customer service. And again, we just go back to the internet. You know, you can do a customer service job over the phone and internet. You're just going to deal with a happier person, you know, than someone that had to drive 90 minutes to a cubicle, blah, blah, blah. And I just hope people start to really embrace it. I know there's still the stigma that we're on vacation because we are traveling in an RV, 
but people that live in Hawaii and work in Hawaii aren't on vacation. And I hope, you know, people understand that. So I'll definitely, at the end of the show, we'll talk about how you get in touch with Cara, just in case that would be really rad. If someone is like, I know someone and, and, you know, manifesting and networking, I think are the same thing in a way. So right. always talking about something, yeah, you'll manifest it, but it's also networking. People just don't know how to help you until you talk about it sometimes. And they do run into situations and then they can throw a lead your way. Well, one of the things I like to do at the end of the show is kind of do a high low. I think you talked a little bit about a low in the sense of your sister visiting, but let's right. see if we can find another low because what I really like to do in this is if all you do is look at full-time RVers with just their Instagram feeds, it's very rare that someone <laughs> shows the lows. What's been a, a low on the road for you uh, in the last 17 months? What's been a low? So the first low was uh, fighting almost like at the three-day depression stint after, you know, a close partner had left. But um, one that had happened just recently that I'd never experienced before um, in my life is my eldest Great Dane was 11 years old and she traveled with me through everything and got to touch three different oceans and 40 different states. And she has just been my best friend. She actually passed when I was in Arizona. That was, I don't have children. So that was difficult. That's something that had been with me for years and years and provided so much comfort to me as I could see her getting worse and worse. And so um, she didn't make the decision. I had to make it for her, but we went out one last time and boondocked for two nights close to Casa Grande, Arizona. And it was absolutely beautiful. And she just got to lay out in the desert and just rest. And it was peaceful for me and her. And it was so nice to see my partner connect, really connect with her because he's still new in the situation. Um, so I think that was really, really hard. And people wonder like, how do I travel with kids? How do I travel with animals? I'll wait till they grow up. I'll wait till they're not there, but you can totally do it with them because they adjust just like you do. And she loved this lifestyle so much. I think it, it helped her live longer. So mm. then people go, what about, when medical things happen and you have to find a vet on the road and we were lucky we we it was easy we got drove into a city we found a vet that we trusted we told him about our lifestyle and the situation and to look over her because i did not want to make the decision and they were like you're doing the right thing <laughs> and so to actually have to go through that for the first time in my life while living in an rv um was so hard to lose her uh, i still i have a four-year-old great dane so that transition has been interesting because all she knew was partner with another dog and now that dog is gone. <laughs> I would say that's been, a, that's been a, a low for all of us at this point. But then life goes on and you figure out what your new normal is. <laughs> yeah, pets and, and I, I get scared because I know for a fact that I think that uh, larger dogs don't live as long. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm almost six foot seven and I don't meet a lot of six foot seven, 80 year olds. <laughs> you know, right. so I, I'm kind of in that same boat where I'm like, wait, am I like, that's why you don't see like, you know, 20 year old Great Danes. This is what happened to me too. Um, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I, every time I meet someone that's like six, four, six, five, that's 80, I lose my mind. I get so excited. Well, I'm very sorry for your loss, but 11 years with a Great Dane and then obviously being able to do this uh, the last year of their life was probably pretty amazing. So that's got to that's gotta feel good, but it is tough. It's really hard. I think, uh, you know, I'm someone with four kids and I've never really had a 
a real attachment to a pet just because when you have four kids the last thing you want to do is bring a pet into the mix too it's just and I was a single dad with four kids and they all lived with me I just there's no wow. way I could you know bring a pet into that mix I did kind of towards the end but um I you know it's my son's dog kind of a thing what is a what is a high for you in this lifestyle and this is the one I think is funny because a lot of people struggle because we all have these, I can't believe this is my life moment, but what's been one where it just really stands out? <laughs> just you asking that question gives me goosebumps because I've had so many highs. I probably cry more tears of joy in 2019 and 20 um, than ever before in my life. <laughs> I've become such an emotional person. Gosh, I would have to say a high was being able to share this lifestyle with my mother for four days. She flew out to Crater Lake in Oregon and I picked her up from the airport and we drove from Crater Lake to the Grand Tetons and got to boondock with her for two nights. It was a quick trip. But to be able to let her experience a new lifestyle with me for four days and see it through her eyes and see me through her eyes in this new light and see the joy on her face and experience seeing, I'd never been to the Grand Tetons, I'd never been to Yellowstone, I'd never seen Bozeman, Montana, any of these places. And so it was, a, it was like stepping on another planet and the fact that I had gotten there to her there together and we had driven together and set up camp together that was like that was a high I remember looking at the mountain ranges and I remember being in hot springs and Bozeman to with her and going just wow wow I don't think we had a conversation <laughs> I think we like cried and just like we're so lucky we're so lucky um so being able to share things like that with a sister a mother a dad because those are things she, she would have never been able to experience without me in this lifestyle that has those have been some high moments of just sharing even if it's just for four days this lifestyle and the natural beauty and wonders with the people that I love is makes me so happy <laughs> I bet I love Crater Lake it's probably my last boulder jump that I'll probably ever do into the water well, I can't say my last but you know, <laughs> I'm getting to the point where the deductibles are a little too high for me to keep jumping <laughs> off of the <laughs> boulders into water but it's definitely a ton of fun I want to make sure people know how to find you I guarantee there are going to be people that are going to want to ask questions because I think a lot of the the fears that we talked about you know you've kind of overcome them and you're living it I know they'll want to reach out how do people find you okay. and all everything you say I'll link down below in the show notes so that you don't have to write it down but it's down there for you but just let people know how they can find you and where to connect with you perfect so they can find me on Facebook I'm an open book my name is Cara Hefty so C-A-R-A Hefty like the trash bags. <laughs> um, my Instagram name is Cara Ostara. And of course, that's my first name, O-S-T-A-R-A. I do have a blog. It's a personal blog. Um, it's called ostarasadventure.blogspot.com. And I think that's it right now. So I'm really active on Instagram and the blog. And I just love when people reach out for questions. I don't gain anything out of it. I'm not doing this for an income. I want it to, one of the reasons I live this lifestyle is to just motivate others to take that leap of faith and trust themselves and trust the universe. Do it before it's too late. Well, Carl, thanks so much for coming on the show. And again, like I said, I'll put all that down in the show notes. If you want to connect with her, feel free to reach out. Like she said, she's an open book and she's there to answer any questions you might have about the lifestyle. And uh, I'm just grateful that we were able to connect and 
be able to chat. It was awesome. Thanks again for coming on the show. Yes, thank you so much. It was so much fun. Well, another fun episode, and hopefully this helped anyone that is worried about either traveling solo or giving up that dream career that they have and leaving corporate America and hitting the road. If you want to learn more about Cara, head over to her blog at ostarasadventure.blogspot.com or you can follow her on Instagram just by searching Cara Ostara and she's available to answer any questions you might have. Also, this is just another friendly reminder. If you like the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to tell your friends. You can just share us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.